They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combined for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. It's Train and Gross on the All-AZ Podcast Network. Welcome in Train and Gross, episode 45. Hey. I love it. Episode 45. If we were a Super Bowl, mm. I had to look it up because I forgot my Roman numerals. XLV. What was episode XLV? Yeah, which Super Bowl was that? That was the one after the Saints and the Colts. That was Steelers and Packers. Yes. Wow, good job. Yeah. Remember the final score? Uh, Packers. Packers won by like four. 31-25. Packers mm, beat the Steelers. Yeah. Or if we were... An American male, we'd be in our midlife crisis. I think we use that joke already, so wow. we want to recycle it. But uh, thanks for finding us. It's hard to believe the 45 is in my brain because that means we're closing in on one year of training growth. There you go. One year. Awesome, yeah. brother. All right. It's been fun. Toasty day here at uh, Train Station Studios. Uh, yeah. So if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, watch the sweat form on, mm. uh, on our careful. foreheads. All right. Uh, you and I were talking about this before we uh, started recording. Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Final exhibition game against the uh, New Orleans Saints has been postponed uh, pending hurricane uh, hitting uh, the, the, the coast of Louisiana over the weekend. Mm. And the, the, I don't even know if funny is the right word, but I'll use it. We can talk about it. The tweet that the Cardinals sent out, mm. which I'm having, and I know you are as well, having a hard time wrapping my brain around it. I'm going to read it verbatim. Okay. Due to the impact of Hurricane Ida, our preseason game in New Orleans has been canceled. Fair enough. Okay. Next sentence. Our team plane is being diverted to Phoenix. And your first reaction was, why did you take off in the first place? What, could you not wait at this out uh, another hour, maybe two hours, right. to figure out what was going on over there? Because if there was any city in the NFL where you can't ignore a tropical storm or a hurricane, yeah. it is New Orleans, who have had their fair share of disasters in the last, what, 10, 15 years? Easy. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, no. I, I, was, I was listening to the flagship station driving home from the day job yesterday, and you know, they were literally reading from the New Orleans newspaper on air and saying, uh, hey, take warning. If you're not where you need to be, get there by Saturday because this storm is coming. This storm will be serious. Localized flooding, heavy winds. Protect your home. Protect your family. So, like, this is serious. Yeah. And... It, you know, the first plan was to back the game up seven hours, I think. I think From rid- 5 to 10. So it was supposed to be a 5 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. It was going to a 10 a.m. So that's seven hours-ish? Yeah. yeah. Okay. If I'm anybody who works for the New Orleans Saints except for a player, I don't care. If I live in that town, I'm boarding up my house. I'm getting to higher ground. I'm making sure the family's got provisions. Uh, you know, my, if you my- can stay in your house or get out of the house, whatever. I'm not worried about an exhibition football game. Mike, if I'm a player, I'm Pre-season. still worried about – my family, because more important than a game, I'm worried about yeah. my family. So I, if you are a, 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 a resident of New Orleans, the, football is the furthest thing and should be the yeah. furthest thing from your mind. Let's get that straight. When we're talking about human interest, there's always going to be things that supersede sports. Yeah. Sports are important to a degree. They're not more important than human life. They're not more important than human safety. And when you start talking about things that are out of our control, you can't predict the weather. And if you are going to ever 
see a, a city or, or, or a region where that should always take priority over a football game, it should be that, that, that New Orleans, uh, that, that coastal area right there because they're still suffering from PTSD from Katrina. I mean, yeah, make no mistake, they haven't recovered from that hurricane. And I'm telling you, right now, there's no way – that anybody would have felt good about trying to put this game on. Completely agree. So it was a late decision, maybe not executed perfectly, but, but the, the right, right decision, decision, the right decision, ultimately made. Yes. So Cardinals and Saints will miss exhibition game number three. Not much impact if you're looking at the starters, you know, and you feel bad, and, and it, it maybe raises the degree of difficulty for the coaching staff in the front office of both teams to say, you know, what was your? I loved your line from last week. The NFL map. There's a big difference between 53 and 54. <laughs> a huge difference when it comes to an NFL roster. That's right. And if you're on the wrong side of that 53 slash right. 54, you might be thinking about opportunity lost, not being able to play this game. Mike, there are no doubts who the 53 are for the New Orleans Saints. They know who their start. They just came out and named their starter. And congratulations to Jameis Winston on getting that starting quarterback position. Uh, you saw them play against Jacksonville. There was no doubt that he was the best quarterback on that roster. But before you even go into a preseason game, before you go into a preseason practice, Mike, before you get into training camp, the team knows what their team is going to look like. They know what 48, 1 through 48 is going to look like. The, the last five are basically the ones that are up for grabs. And you don't have to go through a preseason game in order to figure that out. You can pretty much go through your practices. You can have the the, the – the team scrimmages where you, you face team, other teams and you, you go through those, those, those practices, you know what your team is going to look like. Because if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, there's no way you're going into camp trying to figure out who is going to be on your roster. You know what your team looks like. And there's always going to be that one or two surprise. And I, I can just say from, from, from personal experience, I was one of those four or five guys once upon a time in 2001. But make no mistake, the 48 – the, 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 the core 48, core. they know exactly who those guys are, whether you have preseason or not. Yeah, and that's fair. But you know in the back of some people's mind they're going to be wondering if they end up on the wrong side. Uh, but that's fair. You're already on the wrong side. If you're wondering, yeah, that's a fair point. So, you know, let, let, let's, you don't want to bury the lead, but okay. What about you from a, a player's perspective, uh, not so much the, the exhibition games because you've told us how you've benefited in sure. your time at Denver. Yes. What about uh, travel, though? Because this is always something that fans never really consider. Like, I sit down tomorrow, mm -hmm. I'm going to flip on the channel. If I'm not paying attention, I'm going to be like, damn, where's this game? So I, I don't pay it as a casual fan. I don't pay attention to travel yep. and things of that nature. The uh -huh. one, you know, I know you have a couple, but I always like the snow games. Like, I'm <laughs> sitting here in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, oh, yeah. and turn the TV on. I'm like, hey, look, it's snowing in this city or that city. Right, right, right. Uh, but playing... And more importantly, traveling back back out of those can be a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Worst story I could ever remember was we're playing the Patriots in 2008, and we get crushed 47 to 7. And a couple of things happened. One, it was so cold we had to de-ice twice in in New England. Right. So that was bad in of itself. Then we somehow didn't have enough gas to get back to Arizona, so we had to divert to Minnesota. So we got to Minnesota, and oh, by the way, we froze in Minnesota, so we had to de-ice a few times there. It, it snows in Minnesota? I mean, just a little bit. <laughs> so we get there, but, you know, and, and I, I think we got home maybe 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. It, one of the worst trips I've ever been on, Mike, 
And the, the, the worst part about it all was the 47-7 we had to stew Just, over mm, yeah. for hours. Yeah. I mean, not only did we not play well, we didn't show up, right. but then we had all that time to sit there and stew in that region and, and, and not uh, be able to take off from Rhode Island. Intuitive, yeah, intuitively, I understand de-icing, but there, have you ever been on a plane that's being, been de-iced? Uh, you're no. a Phoenix born and bred, right? No, I never have. It's not it, fun. It's not. It's something seriously disconcerting. It sounds scary yeah. about it. Like right. you go under, like you see in the military. Sometimes they do the salute when they mm-hmm. put the fire trucks out there mm-hmm. and they do the cannons yep. of water. That looks yep. cool. Yep. I guess that's what they do, like with antifreeze or something like yeah. that on the plane. Yeah. And like you got guys that are bundled up, like they're on the uh, in the Arctic Circle, yeah. shooting the stuff at your plane and getting in the wings yeah. and do. I did that one time, and it is no fun. And you're it, until you're in the air, and they turn that light off, saying, "Okay, we're, everything's we're good." You're, you're you're nervous as hell when that happens. There's no doubt about it. And my, I'll, I'll just say this: as a person who didn't love to fly anyway, yeah. to to hear that we had to do anything other than what we normally had yeah. to do to leave, that was always going to be something that was troubling. And and the fact that we had to do it, I believe, four or five times in one trip on one leg. Yeah. It wasn't like we had to do it five times between going and coming back. No, we had to do it five times just on the coming back. So yeah. the, the time that it took, and, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a quick process either. No. That's the other part about it. You have to do it. It, it, takes, a, it takes a little while to get through the whole plane because, you know, planes that we travel on, Mike, had a little bit of size to them. Well, and, and I found out, again, the hard way because it happened to me one time, the, the, this de-icing substance that they use is only good for so long. So, like, if you de-ice a plane and then the, the tower says, hold on, you can't go, yeah. they got to come back and de-ice if the clock runs out. Oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I forgot as f- from that story, they ran out of de-icing material. So they had to go get some from Hey, home. Bob, can you drive over to Walmart? <laughs> from, no, <laughs> got to get the Cardinals back to Arizona. Yeah. So it, 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 that, that was a special trip. That's one that will always stick out in my It's 112 while we're, while we're recording this and we're talking about de-icing an airplane. Yeah. Yeah, good look. Did you have any teammates that were bad? Like, so take the ice and the mm-hmm. snow because that'll, that'll test the best of us. Sure. But just tre- teammates that just did not like to fly in an airplane? Oh, yeah. There were plenty of guys that didn't like to fly. I won't, I won't, I won't put them out there like that. But I will say that there are some guys that, being as that we're a chartered flight, yeah. you, we had a few liberties that most regular flights you, you can't afford as far as where you are when you take off and if you're standing or not and, and – uh, if you're sitting in your seat, some guys actually sat in the bathroom. Some guys actually, you know, had to handle their business while they were, you know, taking off and flying the friendly skies. So, uh, you know, it it, it it was interesting. It was always interesting. Did you ever see the Key and Peele where they were, they were the flight, <laughs> one was a flight attendant, one was, sir, stay in your seat? Yeah. It's immediately flashing. <laughs> stay in your seat. And he goes, it's not the law. And then he's like, boom. <laughs> he came out of the bathroom. He was a mess. Yeah. That one, I don't know why, as soon as you were telling that story, that, I just picturing somebody in the air, in the bathroom, in the air, and turbulence hits. Yeah, puts a new spin on the Mile High Club, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so the Cardinals and the Saints are postponed or canceled, uh, and no exhibition game number three for those two clubs. And uh, season is upon us. They get two full weeks, though. Sure. From the now, I guess it's three weeks for the Cardinals and the Saints. No doubt. Uh, to prepare for the season opener, they push that back a week to accommodate yep. the 17-game schedule. You know, I think for New Orleans and their owners, I believe that the, the reason that they push for this was money. It's always going to come back sure to is. the money. 
And the Cardinals aren't tripping because they don't really get a lot of money when they go on the road. No. But the Saints, depending on how their schedule played out, I, I know they had one home game because they played last week against Jacksonville. So they only get one game as far as the, as the you know the yeah. uh, you know the people coming in. But uh, other than that, there, there's really no benefit. And I know for a lot of the the veteran players. Even or even the young starters, guys yeah. that are, are starters, but they probably have to go and play a couple series. They're relieved right now. Mm -hmm. So you've got all different types of emotions. You've got relief from some guys. You've got anxiety from other guys. Like man, I I needed another chance, and and I didn't have a strong enough case all up until this point. So this game could have really swung the momentum in my favor. Uh, there's a lot of different emotions in the in that locker room, yeah. and and some guys are feeling great. Some guys are really, really nervous, not sure what the future holds. But make no mistake about it, I think a lot of those guys are happy because that's one less chance to put wear and tear on the body. Well, especially in that facility. Especially that's a since tough you've field. got 17 regular season games yeah. now. And, and that, but that facility, that's a tough playing surface, like literally. Oh, the Mercedes-Benz yeah. Dome in New Orleans? Oh, yes, that's a tough place to play. And when it's full capacity, right. Mike, and that, that crowd is rocking, if you're a visiting team, it's extremely difficult. What about the, the actual playing surface itself, though? Because that's an old building relative to what you have around the NFL. People yeah. talk about the vet in Philadelphia. They yeah. talk about the old Pontiac Silverdome yep. that bitter Detroit Lions fan will remind you once again cost <laughs> Played the careers of, of Billy Sims yep. and Steve Owens. Yep. Uh, but anyways. Played in both of those areas. Right. Uh -huh. so th but the, the surface, the playing surface itself in New Orleans. It's not so bad anymore because now all surfaces are field turf or grass. Right. So you don't have that traditional AstroTurf that everybody used to play on. And you didn't have a baseball team that played on that, on that field as well. So you didn't have to worry about second or third yep. base or the pitcher's mound having that uneven, that uneven carpet. So uh, for New Orleans, from what I can remember, because that's where my career ended, Mike, as, as, you, as you well know, I don't remember the surface being a part of the problem. I just remember the, the guys in black were a lot better than yeah, us. Yeah, and the noise, obviously, and the that noise. comes with that. Yeah. I remember they did a, a story on that in Detroit where they showed literally that they rolled out onto a concrete floor, yeah. like carpeting, yeah. and with some Velcro holding yeah. it together on the edges yeah. for the old Silverdome. Yeah. Like, that's what you were playing on. And you had to go tackle Barry Sanders, who was cutting on a dime. Right. I, I mean, you talk about not a great day at the office. That, that was a tough play. That was a tough three hours right there, knowing that that guy was going to be getting the ball and, and you had to chase him around. Yeah. All right, so we look ahead. The Cardinals, they've got two weeks now to prepare. They open up at Tennessee. And a lot of conversation in local and national media about coaches on the hot seat. Uh, and clearly Cliff Kingsbury in that conversation. Sure. But, but my thing is, and I know we've touched on this in the past, and, and I want to, because I heard uh, some video from, I, I forget which, car, it's a Cardinals production, but they were interviewing Steve Kahn. Mm. And Steve Kahn came on and said something. Flight plan. Was it flight plan yeah. came on and said something to the effect of, I believe we have the best roster since 2015 heading into this year. Mm. Cool. Like, what have you done since 2015? He said, cool. And my, my thing is, like, I'm, I'm okay if you want to sit here and, and describe to me why Cliff Kingsbury should be on the hot seat. Fine. You can do that. Yep. Why is this guy not on the hot seat? Like, you go back and rewind pre-Cliff Kingsbury. Mm. He had a coach for one year that he, I think he hired. Steve Wilkes. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And then he fired Steve Wilkes after one year yep. and bought in Cliff Kingsbury. Yep. And, you know, you can go back, look at last year. Talk about Down the gaps stretch. in that roster mm. that, you know, you, you cannot. This, this coach doesn't have player personnel decisions. 
Yeah. It just seems to me that if this team underperforms, and I don't know what that means, because right. making the playoffs in the NFC West is going to be a very tall order if everything goes their way. But whatever you determine poor performance is, yeah. how does Steve Kime survive if Cliff Kingsbury doesn't survive? The thing that, that is troubling about hanging your hat on roster moves and, and building up the roster is that in the NFC West, everybody has done that, Mike. There's been it's an arms major, race. It's been an arms race since the offseason. And you talked about the end of the season where there were two games where you had home games and chances to get in yourself in the playoffs, and they couldn't do it yeah. against depleted teams. Absolutely. And those teams actually got better. The Rams and the 49ers got much better in the offseason. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the Seattle Seahawks actually got better because they locked up a few guys that were actually playing pretty well for them as well. So I, 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 I understand when they say that they've improved the roster, and yes, they have. The, the roster's a little older, but you also have to look at it in respects to this division. And every single team in this division has loaded up their yeah. roster. You think about the Rams and what they just did with the New England Patriots, bringing in Sony Michelle. That was going to be a big deal because Cam Akers was lost for the season. Yeah. But now you've basically upgraded because to me, Sony Michelle, one, is already a Super Bowl champion. One, and two, he's the guy that actually beat the Rams, so they know what he's capable of. And you put him in that system to go along with what they've already brought in. That that is going to be a very dangerous team, yeah. and and we hadn't even gotten to the, the other side of, right. yeah. of, of of the ball oh, for yeah, the Rams. Absolutely. So. No, and that was where I said, like, you could look at this Arizona Cardinals team and objectively say, and I don't know, we'll have to let the season play out, sure. but it could be that we get to Week 17, play that final game. Mm -hmm. And you could say this is a better team, an improved team, mm -hmm. and at the same time, this is a team that misses the playoffs because of exactly what you're saying. The Rams, the Seahawks, the 49ers, all of them yes. have done exactly and maybe done more than what the Cardinals did to improve what, where they stand. Oof. But, you know, it, it, my, my thing is I think they need to be linked. And I understand there's a relationship between the general manager and the owner. But at some point, you have to be responsible you can't just pour it to the coach. And to me, listening to Steve Kime, there was a little bit of that in his comments saying, look, mm. I've done my job. Right. This is the best roster since 2015. Now you do what you got to do, coach. But what have they done since 2015, Mike? Have they made the playoffs since 2015? No, they've been terrible since so 2015. So when you talk about the best team, best team since then, even that team didn't win a Super Bowl. Right. So we're not talking about a team that's – right now looked at as a yeah. Super Bowl favorite. Because I always say, Mike, there's about four or five teams that are really trying to win Super Bowls. The other ones are just trying to make sure that they stay in the black financially. Make it look as good as possible. Make it look as good as possible and, and, have, and be competitive. Try to win as many games as they can, but ultimately know that when it's all said and done, they're not going to be hosting up in Lombardi this year. And when you look at the general manager, for me, you know, you look at a lot of things, free agent acquisitions, obviously moves within a season when yes. you start to see that you're wearing thin in particular sure. places. And obviously the big one is the draft. And this is a real head scratcher for me. This week news came out that Isaiah Simmons, a guy that you're looking to contribute next to your first round draft pick this year, they pulled him out of workouts with the linebackers and he's working out with the defensive backs and they're saying, oh, we just want to get his footwork right. Like, I mean, I get it on the one hand, but I don't. All right. Thank you. That's why I ask you the questions, because, you know, to me, casual fan, 
all right, footwork, you hear say footwork and technique matters, but you're two weeks away, three weeks away from the opener, that should be taken care of in my mind. And there's completely different sets of footwork for DBs as there are for linebackers. Just like there's completely different sets of footwork for linebackers as there would be for defensive linemen. Now, if you're an outside linebacker and you play on the line of scrimmage, some of that footwork is going to be similar. Sure. But when you talk about those three levels on the defense, they all require different levels of footwork. Right. And they require different types of footwork. So to say that you're taking him out of linebacker drills to put him in DB drills to work on his feet, that's saying that, one, he's more equipped to do the back end type footwork more than he is to do the linebacker, and that's not good. No. Now, I understand that when you get into sub packages, you're going to be asking him to do a little bit more, maybe drop into coverage, take on a different role than what he const that he normally has. But that's not about footwork, Mike. That's about vision. That's about technique. That's about body positioning. Right. And if you can't position your body right, it's going to be very difficult to play any position, no matter what, the, what it is. And recall when he was drafted, you know, they talked about how he was versatile and how he played X number of snaps at this position at Clemson and X that just no, means they don't know where to play him. Well, that and, you know, you come to the NFL where, you know, obviously we're playing at the next level, yes. literally and figuratively. Yes. And to not have a guy locked in so he can focus mm. to me is troubling. And that goes back to the general manager. You drafted this guy. You know, what, what's the plan with him? You know, so on the one hand, do I, do I knock him for that? I guess I do. But then on the other side, he drafted Buda Baker. And is Buda Baker? And Tyron. But I'm just saying, like, with this roster that we got now, is Buddha is he the best safety in the NFL? One of the best safeties in the NFL? He's regarded as. Uh, you know, so I, I just, I'm struggling with this right now, in case you can't tell. Like, I look at this and say, you know, there are real question marks in terms of the talent yeah. that's been assembled, even before this head coach yeah. rolled into town. Yeah, Mike, and, and here's, here's, here's general, the general thesis about general managers. Regardless of the 53-man roster, you are always linked to the quarterback and the head coach. And most general managers get two of each in a fair world. If you're talking about one particular organization, this general manager has the opportunity to draft and hire one coach, one draft, one quarterback. And if you can't develop one of those and get yourself in a position where you can compete for championships and, and be in the playoffs, make the playoff runs, then it's time to get a new voice in there. And the thing about Steve Kime is Steve has survived, I believe it's four, four different coaches and I think five different quarterbacks. So he's been given a lot of rope as far as time to, to develop guys and given the benefit of the doubt yeah. where he hasn't necessarily been blamed for everything that has gone wrong with this organization. So it's a unique situation, and the fact that they haven't blown out that, that front office at all in the last five, what, eight? Plus. Five, ten years? Yeah. It, it, it almost says that, you know, they're comfortable and, and they're not willing to blame that guy. It's all on the players. That speaks to a mentality. And the coaches. And the coaches. And that speaks to the mentality of, at the very top. Yeah. You know, ask Steve Wilkes if they just only name the players. Mm. Like I, I, so, like I said, that's the frustrating part of me. And this is in no way, shape, or form meant to defend the head coach. I mean, at some point, you are what your record says you are. That's well, the he's old on saying, right? He's on the hot seat right now. Got to be. Yeah. But I don't understand how it can't be a package deal. I guess that's my point. It just. Um, but he survived so many different I know. Coaches. I know. You know and that's, I mean? that's the frustrating thing. Yeah. As the casual fan, when yes. on the outside looking in. Yes. You know, because, you know, go ahead. You know, to your point about the <laughs> 
you know, the coaches. He gets two coaches and two quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, you look at Wilkes, Rosen. Like, <laughs> Both are gone. Like, like, you see you later. like you're playing 18 holes of golf. You use your mulligan on the first shot there, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so that, that to me is, uh, yeah, anyways. It is what it is. We'll have to wait and see. No doubt. Uh, we don't do predictions. No. But, may, but maybe in the coming weeks we'll think about what, what, is, what does success look like for the 2021 Cardinals? What, when, when we're sitting here in February or mid-January, whenever the season ends, what does that look like? How will we look at the season and say they hit it or they missed it? You know, not record-wise, but just what does success look like? Is it absolutely making the playoffs or not? We'll get into it in the yeah, coming weeks. No as, as we've got, uh, thanks to the NFL, we've got a couple weeks to uh, digest before real football is here to, for sure. All right, some disturbing news on the mascot front came out this week. Mm. <laughs> mascot front. Really yeah. got people fired up. It got up. them fired up. And it, and it involves B-Train's beloved Irish. It does. <laughs> what? <laughs> And I noticed you don't have your Sparky on what? today, too. I can't. It's Are offensive. you sending a message? It's offensive. Oh, my We'll, we'll talk about that next on Train and Gross. Come on. Train and Gross. Yeah. I'm thankful for the ice machine at train stations. <laughs> and the fridge. And the fridge, yes. We need to get a, uh, an, a thermostat, like an indoor one, like where we can show the temperature when we're recording. <laughs> temperature on the field. When we're Be like Brent Musburger back in the day, yeah. you know. You're looking live at a sweltering Veterans <laughs> Memorial Stadium in Philadelphia, and they have the, the big round. Right. Yeah, yes. And you can see the heat waves coming off the field. Uh, that's what we'd be doing today. I got to, uh, A, stop spilling pretzels. There's still the five-minute rule. But I'm going to move my camera for this conversation. Bah! Okay, okay. Stop it. So uh, when, when you, B-Train, were mm-hmm. coming out of Humble High School back in the day, uh, uh-huh. we, we know the recruiting story. Coach Holtz coming on campus, teaching a class with your mom. Yep. How, how big a factor did the leprechaun pay in your decision to attend the University of Notre Dame? It did not play a big factor at all. The roster of Notre Dame played the biggest factor. And then the fact that Coach Holtz came to my mom's room and taught her class for 20 minutes, <laughs> that played a huge role in me deciding to go to the University what of Notre class? Dame. What class? Economics. So coach, coach came in and taught economics. He taught right? economics for 20 minutes, and he would have kept going had my mom not demanded he give the, 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 <laughs> the pointer back. Having had Coach Holtz on the radio show a couple times when you and I were doing yeah. I don't doubt that story at all. Oh, he, 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 took the, he took that pointer and he went right to work. I mean, you know, we sat out there, and, and, and me and my mom just kind of looked at it like, can you believe this? Coach Holtz is teaching your class. And she's like, this is the best day of my life. Like, she's trying to get all her teacher friends, hey, come see Coach Holtz is teaching my class. All right. But the biggest question is, did mom say he knew what he was talking about? Uh, mom didn't care because <laughs> it was Coach Holtz and he was teaching her class. Was so he getting it right? Her clout, her, her clout level went way up that day. Oh, so she was not worried about <laughs> what he was saying. And trust me, the kids weren't worried about what he was saying. They were like, uh, Coach Holtz, can we get a picture, please? Right. Right. So that some, was the one thing they were waiting on. Some dork in the front row being like, is this going to be on the test? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it, does it matter? <laughs> Well, the reason I ask uh, is that uh, this week, a, uh, I don't even want to call it a story. I guess we give the, the, the whole context here. But there's, there's a logo company, a, a T-shirt company mm-hmm. that we've never heard of. And we'll give them a shout-out. Everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Quality Logo Products, it's called. <laughs> you can find them online, qualitylogoproducts.com. They released uh, this week college mascots, the best, the worst, and the sexiest. 
Wow. And the reason it caught our our attention is not for the best, mm. but the worst, yeah. the scariest. Uh-huh. And represented on that list is your alma mater. And they talked about these, Whatever. the stereotype of a drunk Irish leprechaun First of all, who only it, wants to fight. How, how, how can you tell he's drunk? I don't look at the beard. I mean, I mean he just looks angry. He looks like he wants to fight. And, and you don't want a... a, a, a a wimpy-looking mascot. You want a guy that. That, that's going to, you know, you want it to be menacing. Mm. Remember the Cardinals back in 2005, they changed their logo because they wanted a more menacing bird. They, they didn't the, like the, the tilted, way the bird. Tilted 9%. On. And, and then they put, it, they put the little black line on the beak to make it look meaner. You know, like the, it, it, was, it went down instead of straight. So I, I'm looking at this list. I don't see anywhere where the Cardinals are represented on. Well, it's, it's, it's college, right? College, college well, mascot still, though, like honorable. But, uh, yeah. He, uh, he Everybody wants to hate on my guy right there. Leave him alone. And, and the Arizona State Sun Devil on that list as well. Sparky and, made the list. Yeah. He showed up twice. He showed up on the creepiest, and he showed up on the most offensive list as well. How, is he, how is he offensive? No idea. It is a, uh, a cartoonish-type character that was redesigned by Disney. Yeah. So how in the world did it become offensive? No idea. Because it's, it's got the word devil in it. You know it's actually a weather phenomenon, a sun devil? It's another way of you guys talk. You know what yeah. dust dust devils are, right? right? Like little, right. It looks like a little tornado yeah. with dust. It's the same thing. It's just different different terminology for it. So it has nothing to do with, with the demon. Satan. Yes, with Satan. With it has nothing the, to do with it. Yeah, people got get yells about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this, well, this happens to Duke from time to time, and it happens to ASU from time to time. Well, what's funny? The Duke you, Blue Devil, the ASU you say that Sun Devil, because in this particular survey mm-hmm. that somehow caught on and has become a national discussion, the uh, sexiest. Number two, sexiest, caught my eye. Sexiest mascot. Who's number one? Uh, number one is Mr. Commodore. The Vanderbilt Commodore. Wow. Where's the Blue Devil? He's number two. Number two. He's right there. Yeah, they're both I thought he was number one. They so are the number sexiest. Two. So the Blue Devil, sexy. The Sun, Sun Devil, Devil, creepy. Creepy and offensive. Inoffensive. Yeah. But, I mean, first of all, why are we – thinking about mascots and sex anyway like they, they don't go together because we're talking about fictional things right and it's oversized usually usually it's a sweaty five foot ten 120 pound kid in a in a in a costume well, running around trying to do push and that's what i was going to say like for me i like the mascots that have the human element to it so yes. like i am it's ours big, is human that's what i mean i like that well except for yours but i he, the real, but the one that goes everywhere is human. Like that's just I, part. That's just. For, I just don't like apparel. it because it's from Notre Dame. But right, no. My point is, as opposed to the fictional, like non-person one, like the Sun Devil I, or, or the Sparky. Leprechaun. There's yeah. probably tryouts on campus. Like it's a yes, big deal. It is a huge if you deal. get named the it's Leprechaun or the the Sun Devil. Yeah, pull the curtain back. There's like four of them. What? Yeah, it's like four of them. Wow. But think about it, trying to do all them push-ups in the first quarter. So we play next, next Thursday <laughs> playing night. Southern Utah. Playing Southern Utah. They'll probably mm. score 40-something. You've got to do all those push-ups Get your weight up, in the man. first quarter, Get second quarter, up. third quarter. It's a buck 20 out at kickoff on the field. Get your weight up. <laughs> now, I, I do have a, I do have a, a, a story uh-huh. a, about mascots. Okay. Now, this one isn't college mascots, but this is about good old Big Red. I knew good old Big Red back in the day. Mm-hmm. I knew the mascot. He was yep. a good friend of mine. And he told me that there were at least four to five occasions where young ladies came to him no. <laughs> and were like, I have a, I have a fantasy I about knew you were gonna Big, say Red, that. Big Red, you wearing that, that 
that, that top. Big Red's Big Red. <laughs> yeah. So, you, <laughs> wow. Did he really? Wow, yes, he did. Sean Cressman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, give it to yourself. Yes, give yeah. it to yourself. You, yeah, turn it up. Do it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You deserve that. that but well he learned. said there were at least four occasions where total strangers came up to him and were like, I want to be with you. Bring the head. And I'm thinking to myself, um, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. You know oh what? Oh, my God. I, Just trying to picture that. Yeah. It gives a new meaning to go big red. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, but you, you just don't know what, what gets people going, you know, what, what floats their boat. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think for most people, they look at a mascot and it's like, okay, it's something we can identify with. That, that represents the spirit yep. that that person's going to. Uh, give us something that we can cheer about and, 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 and give us entertainment while the game is going on during timeouts, tradition, time, all, all of that, that stuff. Yeah. But then, you know, some people, they take it a step further and, and, and you know, they, they let it s- substitute all types of things that they are lacking yeah. in their life. And so it, it, it takes on a life of its own. But I will say, I can't understand how they think that logo is offensive. Is offensive. And when you think about the fact that more times than not, you see a real human mm-hmm. in that outfit mm-hmm. representing the fighting Irishman. So it, it, it makes no sense to me. I don't know why people waste time on this. I know we were coming out of a pandemic and there wasn't a lot to do. So, it, yeah, you could focus in on something like that. Do study on mascots. But I think in a perfect world, if everything was how it was, I don't think this would have ever gotten any traction. Did you ever have a mascot? Because some of them get a little, little crazy on the field. Like, was there ever a mascot that maybe, maybe overstepped the line a little bit in your playing days? No, but there were cheerleaders that I hated. And the one that I remember. Hate a cheerleader? Well, it wasn't a cheerleader, but it was the, 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 the megaphone that they used oh. to have. I remember we were playing at UT. Okay. My senior year. And uh, I'll just say. Uh, the, the cheerleaders weren't the toughest guys in the world, okay? <laughs> so this guy's got this megaphone, and they did, this, they did this crap on purpose. So they had the megaphones right behind our bench, and you would hear this guy come on, and he'd be like, all right, here we go, go, horns, go, go, horns, go. One more time, go, horns, go. And I'm thinking to myself, I've got three hours of this? Are you kidding me right now? Like, I just want to take that megaphone and shove it so far where the sun don't shine, you have no idea. But I'm telling you, it, is, it can be a, a home field advantage. It can be a detriment to the home team, depending on the mentality of the team that's the away team. Because I'm telling you, it charged me up. One, I was playing back in Texas. Uh-huh. And two, just the sound of this dude's voice kept pissing me off. Wait a minute, what did it sound like? All right, go, horns, go. One more time, go, horns, go. So this would be 1992? 1996. Six, so if you were... We're going to check the box score, see if they list (laughs) all the performers. I need a warning, too. I did this last week when you were telling the (laughs) Shannon Sharp story. I took a drink, and then right when you started that, I took a drink. Who's Who's the mascot that you hate the most? Me? Yeah. Uh... 
Because you, yeah, it's you said usually it's the one of the team that's a rival, it's right? Yeah, you have to hate the rivals. Okay, points, and yeah. then and then who do you love that's not yours? College. Who do I? Ooh. Mine's Ugga. A little, little, little chubby little dog on the sideline. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, he's awesome. You know which one I like while Georgia you think Bulldogs. about this is I, I worked, I think I told the story, I used huh. to work for the Western Athletic Conference back in the day. Yeah. And when I went to the Air Force games, got a sign there, the, the Falcon, yeah. where you talk about yes. being I've selected to do something. I've been there. You know, you were selected to perform at halftime, not the bird, but the Falconer. Yeah, the, the guy with the Yeah. yeah. That is cool. Yes. And that is only one time the times that the can disappear. Because he's coming. Oh, he's coming. When, when, he, when, when you hold that arm up, he sees it, he is beelining. We can't just let that go. One time the Falcon disappeared. Like he left. <laughs> the Falcon has left the building. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. <laughs> he just took off. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm done. So, so I used to work... <laughs> I used to work game day for the Western Only Athletic Conference. Only feed me one time today. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, I'm, I'm out. out. <laughs> I used to, work, and so I always cross. No offense to Colorado State, no offense to Wyoming. Uh, I used to just hope and pray that I'd get assigned to work game day at Air Force. Okay. And when you're in the press box and probably in the locker room, they had the yep. countdown. Uh-huh. You know, we're going to do this at, at 1400. Yep. And whatever. Yep. So yep. they had the countdown. Yep. Get to the roof for the flyover at the Air Force yep. Uh, games. Yep. First time ever I saw the stealth bomber. Was at an Air Force game. Wow. Incredible. Yes. And get to the roof for halftime. Mm-hmm. Because you get to watch all the, the pomp and circumstance of an Air Force game, and you get to see the Falcon. So the Falcon, they'd go out on the field, and then, you know, they'd release it, and it, they'd take, you know, they use their teeth, Doesn't and they'd take yeah. the hood off, and right. fly around, and then they hold a, some kind of, like, I don't know, dead mouse or something like mm-hmm. that, and it, two, two B-trans point. Like, this thing, it gets an eye on it, and it's wherever it is, and it's coming fast at this thing, and... and if he misses, you're going to get messed up because oh, those no talons. Question. Yeah. But one day, <laughs> Bird just left. I'm like, out. <laughs> like he did a circle, and everybody's like, ooh, ah. And he did a flyby, and he's like, Peace, see you later. <laughs> I, I don't know where he went because these things are usually bred in cat- captivity. Like yeah. these are yeah. you know, just yeah. like Ugga, they, you know, and yeah. uh, he just left. And My, people were sitting there watching going, yeah, what, what? I don't think he's supposed to be going there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the, the dude with the – probably never got to do it again. They walked off and – Elevator silence, yeah. you know right. what I mean? <laughs> but I would say my favorite mascot – I don't have a college one because I only have one mascot that I pay sure. attention to. My favorite mascot – it's a tie. It's a tie between Gorilla mm-hmm. and the – whatever, I think it's the, the lion from the Denver Nuggets. Mm. Yeah, he's he's solid, dude. He Rocky. is awesome. Yeah. Rocky. His his half court shot is off the charts. Yeah. So he, he does Rocky, not right? miss. Once a year we did Gorilla's birthday. Yeah. Right? For, yes. for a promotion. Yes. And we would always have the mascots. You and, and other you know, the From gorilla, other school. The gorilla the, the gorilla would go out and do the favor for the yes. other teams too, but yes. you'd get you'd get like five or six of That's them in. Right. He was always outstanding. Outstanding. See, I lived in Denver, so I went to a ton of Nuggets games. Yeah. And he when you talk about crowd participation, like he had skits. That he would do, uh, and you know, I, I knew that they always had people that were planted in certain spots, you know, with the popcorn or mean? the drinks and all that kind what, of stuff. What do, you, what do you mean? So there was always going to be that one scene where there's a guy and a girl, they're they're arguing or doing something, and then all of a sudden the gorilla comes down and he's trying to play mediator or whatever, and of course he's going to always leave with the girl. The mm-hmm. the, the, the stick yeah. was he's going to pick the girl up and he's going to carry her out of the, out of the arena. 
And so there were a couple times where things got a little hairy. I think the guy maybe thought he was supposed to play along, but he didn't quite play along according to script. And things got a little, little hairy there for a second. But for the most part, it was always pretty good. But the gorilla, I mean, come on. The, 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 the dunks, I mean, come on. Yeah. That, that, that's, it's, it's hard to top the gorilla. Uh, the, the gorilla. It's hard. But I'm with you on Rocky. I, think I, I looked it up just to make sure. Rocky, yeah. Rocky. Yeah, the the, De- and, and Denver is just a, a – no offense to anybody around here. Denver is just a, a – a, They get it. They're a sports it's town. It's a better sports it. town than, than Phoenix is. Like, you know, it's, a, it's not the East Coast. It's not like New York or whatever, Boston. Yeah. But it's it's not a Phoenix. It's an established city, so people are from there. Like yeah. you played, and yeah. you know the, uh, the the Broncos fans. But that even bled down into into the Nuggets and into oh, yeah. uh, into the Rock, uh, the Avalanche, Avalanche and, the and the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mascots Denver, were awesome. De- yeah, all of them. Now, one time <laughs> with the with the Broncos, uh, you, you know the, the I forget the name of the horse, but uh, he or she. One time, left a little souvenir on the field. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah. So you're talking about the actual horse. The, the actual the, the, horse. The gal rides out in the beginning. Yeah. Well, well, you yeah. know, yes, we're talking about the horse. <laughs> and so, uh, um, well, it'd be a bigger story if it wasn't the horse, wouldn't it? <laughs> Barrel man. Wow. Oh, R.I.P. He, he passed yeah. away. Yeah, he you, did. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Barrel man. I mean, he was he 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 was a fun guy. He was an uh, original. He was a guy that that he was all in for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. But usually they they had something in the back where it would catch it. You know what I'm saying? If there was gotcha. the chance of there being yeah. uh, an accident or whatever. But this one time, they didn't. I think it was a preseason game, so it wasn't the hugest deal. And it was in the end zone. So it wasn't in the field of play, which would have made for a whole entire different <laughs> situation, especially as one of the guys that had to play in the fourth quarter my first two years. I, I would have been none too thrilled to have to, you know. Like on a golf course, we put the white line around the, the hazard on the course. So I kept my foot in the door with the uh, Phoenix Suns. I was 16 years old. Yeah. So I, what I would do to start, uh, my instructor at the technical school I was going to, he had the job running all the audio at the time. So he brought me along knowing I just wanted to get into sports broadcasting. Right. So I would DJ out front for his company, yep. break all the stuff down, and then go inside and just help out wherever I could. Sure. Not even get paid. Just wanted to be around. Keep right. my foot in the door. Right. So Rattler season rolls around. This is 1998. They used to have a buffalo that went up. Yeah, so his name is Harvey Wallbanger. Big a ass, real buffalo? Big-ass buffalo, right? And when they would score, they would send him out to do a circle around the field. Yeah, but uh, they're the Rattlers. Though. Yeah, I know, but it just became a thing. I think he did like a halftime show, okay. kind of like the Gorilla. The Gorilla came in as as a at the Madhouse in McDowell. He was doing like a telegram thing that somebody a fan sent to another fan, wow. and he was cracking everybody up. So the Suns were like, well, "Why don't you come back?" And then it be, he became the Gorilla. Yeah. Harvey Wallbanger was doing like a halftime type show. Fans loved it. He became like a thing. He would run around, circle the field once or twice after okay. touchdowns, mm-hmm. a couple of games a year. So I wound up having to be the guy. To keep my foot in the door, because I would do anything, to cue Harvey, Harvey Wallbanger to w- run on the field. Wow. So my boss would on the headset would say, "Hey, we're going to send him out if we score here." So I'd get one of the sidewinders dancers, have her get on the Harvey Wallbanger uh, Buffalo with the with the <laughs> with the owner. He'd run out. But mm. part of that job. Mm. Hey, wait, wait, wait! This is a real life Buffalo. Real life Buffalo. This thing is huge. We're in a room right now that is probably what 15 feet wide, maybe ish. It was about half the size. So when Harvey would, would run by out of the tunnel, I'm up against the wall trying Buffalo, to just get out of his way. You don't mess around with Buffalo, no, man. No, but part no. of the thing was scooping. Oh. That was part of the job out of no, the end zone. No. Because at least once or twice a game, 
No. It'd end up. Damn, Harvey. So I'd have to scoop Buffalo. I mean, that's how I wow. kept my foot in the door because th- to get that job. Scooping Harvey Wallbanger. There's wow. real life. You know what? Real out of the live end zone. issues with. I mean, because you see it on TV from time to time. The the buff chip was chip up in at CU, right? Somewhere, Colorado. Yeah. You know where he will no, run out. Yeah. What is that thing's is name? A chip. That's a cool tradition, by it's the way. It's a cool tradition where they got, but they got like eight dudes running this thing yeah. out, and even then people get hurt. The running of the buffalo. So I would want sooner in. too. Boomer sooner, yeah. where where that thing tips over from time, and that's not even. Those are little white horses. Like they're not even. Yeah, but the know. wagon though. The wagon. The is wagon what tips got over. In trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. it, it tipped over for the first time last year. <laughs> did it really? Yeah, I didn't and see and there it. was a guy like one time. It, okay, so it tipped over for the first time last year, and then a couple times guys were hanging on the sides and. And he wound up falling back and got drugged the entire time from, like, the 50-yard line all the way into the, <laughs> to the, to the locker room. They have those little ponies, though. Well, it doesn't matter, but they're, they're hauling that ass, though. That car's moving, Mike. though, man. The ponies. Yeah. Ralphie. Ralphie the Buffalo. Who's Chip? I have no idea who the hell Chip Ralphie is. Ralphie the Buffalo in CU? Yeah, yeah CU, that's yeah. why I was like, Chip doesn't sound right. Ralphie the b- running of Ralphie. Buffalo Chip. I thought yeah. it was. There's he a starts, Chip. There's a Buffalo that performs who's named Chip around here somewhere. He starts on like the 10-yard line on the far side yeah. and then does like a big horseshoe shape around mm-hmm. back to the, the end zone on the near side. It's actually pretty cool, man. It's cool, yeah. No, but sometimes you have incidents. He better be living. He better be living that life. You're right, because they got they got a guy handing holding on each side. Both sides. And then yeah, they fall. Yeah, or get get to your point, get dragged around the field. You get drugged. I mean, because you know they're big, but they're 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 moving. Like when they oh, get yeah. their stride going, if your stride ain't keeping up the snuff, you're, you're, you're stopping. You're them. getting drugged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, yeah. So here you go. That's it. Uh, mascot issues. So. I mean, go out there and buy so yourself. Lame. Send a message. Buy a Notre Dame T-shirt. Sean Crespin, don't be afraid to wear your Sun Devils. Well, double. this is actually. I've got too many Notre Dame shirts. Are you kidding me right now? Not you. you. I'm half of my half of my wardrobe is. Notre Haven't Dame. seen the shoes in a while. Usually he's got Irish shoes. I got them. I mean, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. You to talk about get, You talk about getting your foot in the door. Yeah. Back in the day, Bertrand and I did a radio show, and every once in a while, people would call up and say, "Wow, can you donate shoes?" Or, or no, yeah. donate. I don't know how that guy, but he yeah. would bring shoes. Yep. You had a closet full of them. Yep. And one time this lady came out and said, I thought they were game worn. So he gave me the shoes. I had to go out in the parking lot and scuff them up and then bring them back. <laughs> Kept my foot in the door. I mean, hey. Game worn shoes. I thought they were game worn. But I did. I always gave away my shoes to. to How many pairs of shoes do you have left? Uh, now you haven't played in a few years. Yeah, I haven't played in 12 years. Um, I maybe have five pairs. Oh. All That's right. about it. How many, do you have, how many jerseys did you hang on to? Like game worn, at all? None. None. They're all gone. Yeah. I was I was fleeced that first those first two years. I was fleeced by family and friends. Oh, I bet. Fleeced. I was fleeced. I mean, they. <laughs> I mean, like I couldn't even I couldn't even do swap outs with guys because you know my thing was I wanted to do swap outs at the end, especially guys around the league that yeah. I had a lot of respect respect for. I was fleeced, man. They they took them all. Now I've seen your jerseys, the the jerseys you've received. Yes. Not your jersey. Yes. Which one are you like? If you could only keep one out of that entire collection, and it's an impressive collection, which Deacon one? Jones. Which one? Deacon Jones. Wow. Deacon Jones. Wow, that's from the Wayback Machine too. Because mm-hmm. you know we did a we did a thing for the NFLPA where he came to my house. He signed it for me at at the house. Like he came to the house, we played around the pool together. Like that was the whole thing. Like talking about bridging the gap from from older defensive ends to younger defensive ends and that is so cool of course it, it you know looking at deacon you know he was he was older at the time but you know here he is this guy six four six five larger than life and then here i am six three a miniature version you know of a defensive end and he's like you know the game has changed 
And uh, he's like, but the salaries have changed too, you know. And I was just like, yes, Mr. Jones, they certainly have. I have to find that video and and, and just bring hanging it in. out at the pool, with Deacon Jones, this guy. But no, we're playing pool. Oh, we're playing shoot, pool. We're shooting okay. pool. That's awesome. Deacon yeah. So Jones. There, there's a. I've got a picture somewhere, and and uh, yeah, he signed the jersey for me. He brought the jersey on his own. I didn't even ask him for it. He brought it. Wow. I didn't. That's not the answer. I, that's so cool. What, right. what 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 other names did you think maybe? I didn't I, no, because I, I've seen the collection. Yeah, Michael Strahan was another one that I would keep. Franco awesome. Harris, yeah. Franco. Is one that I would keep. Uh, Steve Young is one that I would keep. Um, it's high on the list. Um, Anquan, one of my favorite teammates of all time. Uh, Fitz. Uh, so when you get when you got these jerseys, you you did the swap like guys do, or did you just like hey? Yeah, we did swaps. Yeah, we did swaps, especially my teammates. Like I don't I don't have very many jerseys that I didn't know. Sure. Most all all but two, like Franco Harris is one guy I didn't play with, but I know him. And then everybody else, I knew them, and I either played with or against. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Peyton Manning is one that I, I definitely uh, cherish. Edgerin, I got an Edgerin, Indiana, Arizona, because we were teammates twice, uh, both places. Um, Hall of Famer, Edwin James. Yeah. Hall of Famer, right. got to put some respect on that name. Hall, yep. Hall of Famer, and Hall of Famer Peyton Manning. Uh, Rod Smith, Shannon Sharp is one that I have. So Donovan McNabb is my guy. But Deacon, if there if there was just right. one, Deacon that's a cool Jones. story. Deacon that's would a very be a cool story. Memorabilia. So the jerseys up there in the memorabilia because we're here every week, and I want to I'll pan the camera for folks to see if they're watching on this. But this here on your wall is a uh, oh the belt. It's a belt for when you were the sack leader for the Arizona Cardinals. The year we went to the Super that's Bowl. That's got to be up there, I would assume, in terms of your memorabilia from your playing days. Oh, there's no question. Th- that that is probably that in my Pro Bowl jersey. My Pro Bowl jersey okay. is. Uh, my most prized sure because of what it represents mm-hmm. and the story behind it obviously you know we don't need to go into detail but um, yeah the Deacon Jones as far as things that I acquired that's the that's the number one jersey and you know he's no longer with us so you know it's, it, you can't really get any more of those autographed how about uh, not not specifically to you but a story came out this week that Andy Lee uh, punter mm-hmm. for the Cardinals gave up his jersey to the rookie of all people, um, but then people thought the well, jersey number, the number. Rondell I'm sorry, Moore, yeah, yeah. The, the Rondell Moore got the the number four, I number believe four. it was. Yep. But there's usually some financial incentive to do that. What's the what's the most without you don't have to name names, but ridiculous amount of money you heard somebody pay another player for their jersey to, to swap the number ten thousand, ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rondell paid for it. Coach Kling, uh, Cliff Kingsbury in the yeah. press conference this week was asked that. He goes, oh, yeah, I know he had to pay for it. Yeah. And he said he was surprised he did it, too, because outside of buying his mom a house, apparently Rondell Moore doesn't spend a penny. Right. Smart. Good for him, right? You know, yeah. you just save your money. No. Uh, but he, uh, he paid for it. That means he listened to the podcast at some point about hanging <laughs> on to your money. But, yeah. No, because it. it's always funny because you hear that he paid for it, but you never know. What the number is? What Ten grand. Ten grand. Usually it goes for about five you know, twenty five hundred five. That's kind of the range, but I would it, love to hear the negotiations for this. Oh, like no how, negotiations. Like who, who, who instigates the conversation? So, like for instance, in this situation, it was Andy Lee and Rondell Moore. Moore yeah. mm-hmm. So, like, did Rondell go up to him and go, "Hey, uh, hey, Andy, how attached are you to that that number there?" You know, how how does that happen? I he would had love to go to up. He had to go up respectfully. He had to 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 
first butter him up. You know, hey, hey, buddy, pal, my guy. <laughs> hey, Connor, hey, nobody cares about. No, hey, old, no, don't do that because you're <laughs> hey, never old, getting the thing. Old man in the locker room. Yeah. You're never getting the thing. Hey, guy whose career is about to be over and I'm just starting. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, at that point, you know, Andy has, has – He's made a name for himself. He, he's hell. He's, he's been around the league forever now. I man. mean, he's he's well respected. He's yeah. he's accomplished a lot. I think he's been to numerous Pro Bowls, so he, he's not tripping. I mean, I think he's been to a Super Bowl. Well, I think he's worn a few different numbers in his career too, right? So he's probably. I, I, I think four has been his number. Though. Has it? I think he had four at San Francisco. I'm not sure where else he's been, but I I just remember him in San Francisco being a, a freaking menace because he could. It's almost like he could just put the ball wherever he wanted to put it. Like, he was literally a weapon for the 49ers. He's 17 years. I just looked it up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, figure out how to take care of your money and how to take care of business with rookies who come sniffing around for number <laughs> yeah. four. You know, career, okay. career earnings, $32.5 million. He's good. You know? He's so, good. And he, so he knows a thing or two about the money. Well, no you were right. He was number four with the 49ers from 04 to 2014. Then he wore number eight in Cleveland. The next year he wore number eight in Carolina. Then he wore number two with the Cardinals for the first two years. And he's been number really? four. Yeah, he's been number four for the last two years. So he's been – he went back to number four, which was his number for the first ten, ten years of his career. Yeah. yeah. So, I, and I know his first answer when Rondell Moore came up to him was no. Like that's a negotiation, right? Oh, yeah. You got to buy your jersey from you me. I'll give, I'll give you five grand. No. Yeah. No. And just walk right. away, go to whatever punters do. Then you got to double it. $10,000. 10000 brother. Anybody ever approach you? No. I had to pay for my number when I first got it. From, oh, you did? From Baron Tanner. Really? BT. BT was 92 when I first got here. I had 90 when I first got here. I was the original 90. So all that smack doc talks about, he was not the original 90. I was. You greased the skids for him. Uh, did well, you play a game in the 90? No, I didn't get oh, out see, of. Then, yeah. I didn't. I didn't get out of. Uh, I still give it to Doc. OTAs, then. yeah. I still got to give. But it. I got. I got pictures in 90 though. I got literal pictures of me performing. Okay. With the 9 -0. So, I, I, it, it's, it's in the books. 57 in Indy. Yeah, 57. And 13 in Notre Dame. 13 in Notre Dame. If you would have played in the NFL where they relaxed the rules, would you have gone back to 13 if Absolutely. you could? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. Right. There you go. But the only thing about that is you have to buy all the jerseys that you had in the, in the bookstore or in the, the – whatever they Team call shop. it. Team shop. Team There you go. With your number on it. So, if they had, my, if they had 92 Barry on sale – I had to buy all of them back. Stop it. Are yeah. you serious? Oh, yeah. Okay, so true story, Jalen Smith Come with on. the uh, Cowboys. Cowboys. He went to number nine, which is what he wore in college. Yep. He was 54. 5'4". Five, see what nah, he did there? Five, five, five. Five. Right. That's some new NFL math. Good math. <laughs> so he had to pay half a million dollars what? to the Cowboys because his jersey was on sale in the team store. So he had to buy every single jersey. That's so that was crazy. The, that's the caveat. If you change your number, you've got to make it right with the team. So that's messed up. What about maybe stores like Just Sports or just SOL? No, they don't care about Just Sports. <laughs> no, it's, it's about the team, brother. You know. yeah, it's the and I'm sure you, I did not know that. that I was, didn't know that either. And I'm sure you both saw the video of the three minute of the drone flying through the star. On uh, Hard Knocks. Uh, hard Knocks. Maybe yeah. you want to throw that, That's how you pay for this. You know what? I thought of you. $500,000, man. That paid for a lot of that building. Bro, but I, I was watching that, and I remember exactly what when we – I think when this podcast started, we had a conversation about your recruiting trips, and you went to Texas, mm -hmm. and you said it felt like a damn country club. Yeah, and you didn't want to. You didn't, didn't yeah, want, you want no part, part of that. Of that. Nope. What did you when when that drone was flying through that building? It's the first thing I thought of. I was like, this. Look, and then I think Colin Cowherd brought it up the next day too. But it felt very like 
high-end-ish. Felt like you were at a mall or something. Yeah, like it that. really did. It felt. I thought, but I thought about B Train's comments about Texas. I like, this is very see, country club. I expected to see you in the corner sipping a mimosa. Like, yeah, <laughs> I would do that. I would. Do, but I'm also not going out there to play linebacker. Now, you know, on, on, on the following Sunday. It. it it's a it's if you haven't seen the video, check it out because it's amazing yeah. work flying it a drone is. through it took the building. Three right. hours to do, and you know the timing was perfect. You yep. know, open the door and the weight of room. Course. And, of course, but of course, I figured it like everything else associated with the Cowboys a little over the top. Like uh, Jerry Jones is the ultimate salesman, uh, and he he alone is the reason we talk about the Cowboys yeah. year in and year out. Because if it wasn't for Jerry. There is no reason to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, especially in the last 10, 15 years. 25. They haven't done well, – well, they haven't been to a Super Bowl. But I'm saying just thinking about relevance. They haven't been relevant in yeah. the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. They yeah. made what, maybe one playoff appearance, 1-1. One, one. I think Tony Romo had one playoff win. Well, Dak – didn't Dak in his rookie season go? It went to the playoff but didn't win. Yeah. They had one playoff point. game. Yeah. Like, you know – well, to get there is one thing, but to win a playoff game, they haven't done that in quite some time. And you talk about that, too, and that's an excellent point. Like, and I, I was planning on getting out of this segment 20 minutes ago. All right. <laughs> uh, you talk about how difficult, and I made the point earlier, the Cardinals could be improved and still finish dead last in the NFC West and miss the playoffs. And could finish above 500 and still miss. Absolutely. But you look at the NFC East, Ugh. and to, to have that record that you're talking about, because – there's nobody in that division right now that you step back and go, mm. like I know the Eagles have been there, but they've fallen way off. Um, that that you. that might be the, the easiest division. division in football the last couple years. Hey, who who did you get to play last year? If you're the Arizona Cardinals, the, N- the NFC East. Yeah, and that's why I want mm. people just to pump. So did everybody else in the just in the pump NFC the brakes <laughs> a little bit. Everybody else in the NFC. But West now with 17 play. games, you should you should play every conference. You, every conference division. Like, you should play at least one team from every conference division. Well, they, you know what I mean? they do, they added it's the AFC North for the NFC just, West yeah, this year, all just, on the road. They just added a new rotation. Yeah. So, it was always, you know, they let's say they use the NFC West. It's the NFC West last year played the NFC East, right. right? This year, the NFC East, or the NFC West will play, I think it's the... Uh, South. I think it's the South. Yeah. Uh, and then you play one division from the AFC as well, and then you have... If you finish third in your division, you have two games the against third, teams that are third. third. Yeah. But yeah. now they just added one more rotation. So the Cardinals, the seventeenth game. Cardinals pick up the Browns. Brown. They have the, a- the AFC North is yeah. what they. All NFC the North NFC North teams are on the road this year. Right. And so they go to their corresponding AFC teams. Then next yeah. year they'll get the yeah. So, but back to the point. The NFC East. You got a NFC couple of East. You got Jerry Jones. You got Daniel Snyder and the mess he's making out of the Washington Football Team, and it continues just to. I mean, he's spending more time settling lawsuits uh, uh, over there. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like the mirror opposite of what you got going on in the a- NFC West. Take any one of the teams. Or NFC South. Because right? NFC South has – they've got teams with aspirations. Yeah, absolutely they do. All right. Um, we'll step aside, come back more on the other side. Hey, don't forget, follow us on Twitter. That's right. At Train and Gross. Come on. We'll be right back. Train and Gross. Welcome back in. Train and gross still to come. Pump the brakes. Hold up. No, that was the old, that was a radio show. Dad jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Hold up. I'm was trying to stay hydrated. Hold up was an awesome segment. Yeah. I still send you stuff on Twitter. Absolutely. Man dies fighting an alligator in an alley. Hold mm. up. Hold yeah. up. Wait. Wow. Wait. Uh, 
news around college football, obviously, uh, what I love about this whole story is the SEC and Oklahoma, Texas, caught the rest of the college football world flat-footed with the announcement that those two teams would slide over and move as soon as possible to the SEC. And news out this week that uh, the uh, Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC have agreed, but not signed a contract, according yeah. to Sean Crespin, yep. to uh, enter into scheduling arrangements it's, to advance the sports in all their conferences. It's much farther than that. And, and that's why, you know, the, the scheduling thing is, is great, but in terms of football schedules, that's a decade down the road because you know how teams schedule out in football. You're scheduled. ASU's got a home and away with Texas in 2032. Wow. Their entire non-conference schedule outside of one game, one slot, is full for the next six years. Wow. So in terms of scheduling, this whole alliance between the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, it's going to be nice. It's going to be down the road. What, it, what this handshake agree alliance is really about is being able to control – the future of what college football and college athletics looks like via the, the votes of the uh, playoff expansion yeah. and that kind of thing. Just being able to kind of vote like-mindedly. I think that's out, though. It's not, there's no written agreement, no nothing. Yeah, I, I think 12 is out because now you have Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. In order for those other conferences to have a chance of survival, they've got to come together. They've got to form like Voltron right now. They have got to be a super conference where the top teams all have to play each other and the bottom teams play each other. And then you have a conference championship yeah. where th this, this section winner plays this section winner. And yeah. other than that, I mean, they have no chance of survival. To Sean's point, it's going to be really interesting to see, though, with the football schedules, because that's, that's a huge part of... And that's what this is all about. Exactly. Yeah. No, but you're exactly right. A, that's a long... Well, if you view. look at, and to your point, if you look at ASU's future football schedules, yeah. they are fully booked out until 2027. Yeah. They're fully and booked. Only one so there's available. three non-conference games every year for ASU football. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're fully booked. Uh, but the interesting thing, when you look at this, is that ASU, and, and they're not the only ones, I just happened to bring it up since Sean mentioned them, yeah. they've got games, a lot of games, scheduled against the SEC. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see, because what we know about contracts is there's always a price attached to it. Yep. So if this turns into some sort of arms race, like, hey, screw you, you're trying to get one over on us because you're voting in a block, and just hypothetically, in 2026, ASU is supposed to play at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And if they get mad, they say, hey, forget you. We'll, we're, we're not playing this game. Here's a check. We're, we're not coming. Fine. You bring Clemson in. That's right. So that's going to be because I like because ASU, justifiably so, and others as well, took some heat for some weak non-conference schedules in the past. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the, the regime at ASU sees that. And I love the way they're doing it. You know, you see Oklahoma State, you see, uh, you see Texas A&M, as I just said. I see Florida. I see LSU and Texas on the schedule for ASU. And I'll just randomly go to, to Arizona since, guess what, they're next alphabetically. Same thing. They're playing Mississippi State. They're playing, uh, uh, they're playing uh, Colorado. They're, I'm sorry, they're playing Colorado. They're playing Virginia Tech. They're playing Alabama. They're playing Mississippi State. I said. So I like that. That's good. Mm -hmm. For me, that's good for college football. Yeah. And that's good for fans of schools like Arizona and Arizona State that aren't on the national stage. Right. You know, and you bring in Florida to Sun Devil Stadium you bring in Alabama to Tucson, guess what? 
people are going to pay attention. Yeah, and one thing the Pac-12 can do to help that out if they do want to start trying to schedule things quicker, the Pac-12 right now plays nine conference games. SEC and so forth play eight, right? And they scheduled that mid-week, mid-season bye week Don't in the middle. Don't do it. If you were to drop it down to eight, now Don't. you have an open slot in order to Don't do it because in order to they, schedule out. The one thing, you, you, there is so much to emulate right. about the SEC. Yep. If you are every other conference out there, you, you're over your, your tunnel wall, should say, mm-hmm. be like the SEC. Yep. The one thing is that. Because the SEC does not do anything to promote the game because they don't have to. Because I don't see how playing Southeast Louisiana, if you're Alabama, I, I get why well, Alabama do it does it. Before the Iron Bowl. I get I mean? why they do it. Right. Arizona, Arizona State doesn't need to play Southeast Louisiana. Right, but, no, but what I'm getting at is you, you drop it from 9 to 8 in order to schedule with the right. Big Ten and the ACC. That, that's the, you know that what ain't mean? happening. Because right now, if, if this, if this yeah. quote-unquote alliance is truly about fitting schedules in, it's full for a decade. So the only way you do that would and be to go fine. from 9 make to it, 8. Make it work. I, 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 I would much rather know that I'm playing Washington than hope that I'm playing LSU or, not, or Wisconsin. Right. I, I'd yeah, I'm fine with that. It's true. The biggest thing about this is the TV. Where are these games going to be played? Will it be CBS? Right. Will it be ESPN? Will it be Pac-12 Network? Will it be ACC Network? That's going to be the thing as far as logistics that they're going to have to figure out because if these teams are going to join one big super conference, then who has those TV rights? That's going to be the big deal because – You've had a working relationship with certain networks and thus far has worked relatively smoothly. I don't remember yeah. too many issues with the different networks where there, there's been conflict. But now if you have ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 all coming together to make one super conference, mm-hmm. then now you're going to have to try to figure out with ABC, with the Big 12 network, with the Pac-12 network, what games are going to go on which channels. And that's going to create all types of issues going forward the nice thing is though with that scenario what however it works out and it needs the details what's the the devils excuse me wow need to are in the detail but there's wow. a pot of money waiting once Absolutely. they figure it out no doubt the thing i worry about just because i worry about silly things like this and most fans wouldn't care and we saw it happen last year when the pac-12 canceled their non-conference games is what impact will that have on the smaller schools that they pay mm-hmm. and get that big payday i forget what percentage of the uh northern arizona university budget was impacted when they lost that game against ASU. That was a big Substantial. Hit, Substantial. Right? Because to your point, Sean, if they do start scuttling games in order to accommodate, mm-hmm. I think logically from a, if you're worried about quality of play and to Bertrand's point, which is extremely valid, TV revenue, sure. the game that should go is not the extra conference game. It should be the ABC scenario where you have an easy game, a middle game, and a hard game. Mm-hmm. The easy game should go. ASU doesn't need to play Southern Utah. ASU doesn't need to play Northern Arizona. Mm-hmm. ASU could add an ACC game instead of those games, but if N- you're worried about quality and money. But NAU is going to be scared to death because oh, they, need those, they need those money. They need those games. It I, shot a hole in their budget last year. No question. And if they continue to get pushed further down yeah. the pecking order – then they're going to have to close up shop eventually. When I used to joke around about it, and I don't mean to pick on ASU, it's just I had the schedule in front of me, but you know, the Big Ten is notorious. Mm. And, and you, know, you look at the, the – and you played in that territory. Sure. The linkage between the Big Ten and the Mid-American Conference. Mm. One year they played 27 games wow. against the Mid-American Conference, wow. and they talked about how much revenue those football games paid for the entire budgets of the Mid-American Conference. And they said it's essentially – 
like having your own like minor league team yeah like where you own and control them yeah and it proved out because the ncaa you vote on things if you want to get something done i forget what the percentage was but the mid-american conference voted with the big 10 virtually all the time Absolutely. in terms of rule changes and regulations and things of that nature yeah because they want the money to keep coming it's all about the money brother follow the money that's that Whenever you start hearing conversations about we're aligning here or we're, yeah. we're reshuffling here, just always follow the money. Always. The money is going to always tell you where everybody's going to land because everybody's got their hand out. We want our money. Like, it, it may make sense. It may be cool for Nebraska to play Oregon at some point on a regular basis, but it's going to come down to how much money does Oregon get, how much money does Nebraska get. And just so you think I'm not picking on ASU, Michigan's playing Western Michigan and Northern Illinois this year. So there you go, two mid-American teams. And yeah. I could give you chapter and verse. There's a ton of new <laughs> American conference teams on their future schedules. As a no Notre Dame alum, a former player, no, no now a fan, yep. the, the alignment that Notre Dame has with ACC, ACC. for football, mm -hmm. how does that make you feel? How, what do you think about that as someone as close to Notre Dame? I don't have any feelings particularly with the ACC. I do love the fact that they play Clemson, and I do love the fact that they play North Carolina. Those and, and, and Florida State. Florida State and Clemson are the two big gets out of that whole scenario. When you talk about my time at Notre Dame, two of the more memorable games, three of the more memorable games was against Florida State. But that was against Bobby Bowden, God rest his soul. And Florida State at the time was a powerhouse. You're talking about yeah, consecutive 10-win seasons and constantly finishing in the top five every single year. May not get to the championship game, they always lost to Miami, but they always had that one loss. But by the time they got through that game, they were steamrolling towards the end of the season. So uh, I always it, – it, it just makes me feel good to see Notre Dame play Florida State again and again and again and again yeah. because it brings back personal memories. And yeah. Clemson because they're such a national brand. No, absolutely. And, and to, to those people that say, well, you need the – you know, if you're Michigan, you need the Western Michigan game to tune up or Northern Arizona if you're ASU. Notre Dame back-to-back, -back, they open up this year at Florida State. Love it. Open the season Let's at Florida it. State. And next year they open the season at Ohio State. I love it. So you don't need to play Western Michigan. You don't need to play Northern Arizona. No. There, there might be reasons why you do it, but you can do it. it yes. Clearly shows it. One thing I always loved about my alma mater is we were never scared. We played whoever, whenever. We went far reaches. We went to Ireland, for goodness sakes, to go play teams. It's not about the schedule. It's about the guys in those uniforms. If they do what they're supposed to do, it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the ball. You go out and you execute your game plan, you'll win, and you'll find yourself in positions to play extra football. Now, the thing about my alma mater is they've got to do better once they get to the extra football because in the last five, six years, it hasn't been pretty. Yeah, it's funny how you get from one point to the next, and you're happy you've made that step, but everybody waits for the next step, right? <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a mismatch once you get to those right. this, playoff. I mean, it's like you look at the teams, it's like, ooh, one of these is not like the other. It'll be interesting to see if, the, if we're doing it. What did I say? This is podcast number 45. 45. So if we add five years, do the math, Kerry. <laughs> wow. You know, wow. 226 yeah. or something like that. Right. Yeah. What, what will the state of college football be at that point? Like, It'll be know, a free-for-all. Three, four years Feels down like the it. line. They'll, they'll be millionaires playing college football. Just think about that. Yeah. Multi-millionaires. Yeah. Well, I, and may not play a down in the NFL, but they'll be millionaires. They'll and, be set for life. And the NCAA may have nothing to do with it. It's getting nothing. You know what I mean? Have you seen the movie? That's Office? beautiful. You've seen the movie Office Space? Yeah. Yes. And the Bobs, when yeah. one looks at the other guy and goes, what would you say you do here? 
It's starting to go that road with the NCAA. See, I've always had a – I get it. I do. I've always had a problem with that. And I know we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Like everybody said, well, the NCAA did this. Or the NCAA did that. What, what is the NCAA? Well, yeah, right, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. What would you say – They're fading away. You do here. No, and but, they are. Because but, they – I mean, the, the NIL – is is the biggest step towards the NCAA just not even even being needed, and now this SEC thing kind of going, you know, becoming it what it is. It is so I understand. And then this alliance. No, I mean, but I understand that. But the NCAA is what it is because of its member institutions. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about that. Even stupid little things. I go back to a couple weeks ago. We talked about the hashtag on the football field. But the colleges allowed them to be what they are. They allowed them to be absolutely, and I don't doubt that. But mm-hmm. in order to, to go to whatever's next, the colleges will have to unwind from that because they, everything that they happens, that uh, they could. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. The, the NCAA isn't this mythical creature that just existed out of nowhere and sucked into all these colleges. Right. They, they put it in place. Right. You know, the guy that's the president of the NCAA, I forget his name now, you go back and look. Every one of these schools and conferences voted for this guy. Mm-hmm. And every rule that's in place, like mm-hmm. ASU and ASU fans are like, oh, the, the, this is the overreach by the NCAA. Yeah. Guess what? Whatever rule ASU Miles, bo- Miles uh, Brand, Miles Brand is that it now? Yeah. Whatever the rule is that ASU ultimately violated and that mm-hmm. they're supposedly getting in trouble for, mm-hmm. they voted for it. Yeah, you know because they didn't want somebody else to get one over on them. That's right. So that, that's my issue with the NCAA. You can point at the NCAA and say, oh, it's this or it's that, but it just didn't happen out of thin air. It didn't mysteriously turn up on the scene and some guys in suits on the 25th floor of some random office building. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing for the NCAA is they knew that this day was coming at some point. They tried to hold it off as much as they could. Because yeah. they knew at some point they really didn't have a lot of power. When, right. when you start talking about how things are going in college sports right. and athletics, NCAA really had very little to do with it. But the colleges empowered them. And once they take that power away, they're like, well, oh, what, and the courts are starting to take it away because they, again, some of these lawsuits, the court system, but they knew that you though. can't do this. Yeah. They NCAA. knew that. But again, yes. the amateur rule that we're talking about was put in by these schools, right? It, was put, it wasn't put in by the NCAA. Yeah. It was put in by these schools. What needs to happen and what likely should happen. And this is why I asked the question, what will happen four or five years from now is that college football, one division, one, a championship, not champion, bowl, subdivision needs to carve itself it needs to lop off the bottom part so get rid of new mexico states and the other ones that are hanging on and it needs to carve itself out to the big ones and college football you can do it like high school needs to be completely separate from open everything air, else open division and then you got the the, the smaller division. because here, here's the argument that i always make and it's you you're, you say it all the time follow the money follow the money so your college team whatever it is goes to a bowl game yep and then you or, or the playoffs yep Right, and you get shares for playoff money. You got to split that with everybody in your co- in right. your, in your in conference. In your conference, how much money goes to the NCAA for the bowl games? Zero. NCAA basketball tournament. TV money. It all goes to the NCAA, right. and then the NCAA controls it. They pay right. it out. Right. That's the big difference. Football could lo- they could lop football off tomorrow, and nobody would care. And why the sco- why the NCAA will exist four or five years from now is because. The schools that care about football don't care about tennis and don't right. care about golf and don't care about swimming. Yes. And so they need the NCAA to administer that and they need the NCAA basketball money to pay for all of that because they will find themselves in any, what is it, uh, Title IX jail. Oh, yeah. Quick, but, fast, and a hurry, as you like to say. Quick, fast, and a hurry. The thing about it is you, you, you look at the NCAA and I think a lot of these college institutions treated the NCAA like NFL owners treat Roger Goodell. They let him be the whipping boy sure. in the front. 
we'll give you so much money, we'll give you so much power, and you take all the hits that we don't want to take. That's exactly what it is. And so now when you start talking about, well, rules are rules and, and all this other stuff, everybody's directing their ire towards the NCAA and, and all these college yeah. presidents and athletic directors are just sitting back like, hey, you know, yeah, we, my hands are my hands are That was the NCAA's fault. Yeah, I, I, well, I you, had nothing to do with it. Yeah, you voted for it. You voted for That's it. That's what I, I mean, said. What like, you, want me to do? <laughs> you, you want to see somebody take a stand. Yes. And I remember I said this about Clemson or somebody like it. You want to make a stand, yeah. rip up the check. Oof. Rip up the check. Oof. I am sick and tired of the NCAA telling me what to do, so I, I, I will not accept this money. That's a lot problem. to ask. That ain't happening. That's a big ask. You know? So that, that's, I think if I could get the crystal ball out four years from now, carve out 1A, the high-end college football, New Mexico State, sorry for you, you're out. Uh, there's a few others. You're o- out. Open division, yeah. smaller divisions. Well, you got it. You got, the, you got the college subdivision, you know? Let the and, big boys play up here and then yeah. everybody else. Because the, the only thing that the NCAA does for college football is put the rules in place at, at the high level, like yeah. the eligibility. So if you, don't want, if you don't like the four-year eligibility rule and you want it to be something different, do it. Cut it, cut it out. Yeah. Cut it out. Like, you know, you don't hear anybody complaining about swimming eligibility right. or tennis eligibility or golf eligibility. Right. And the football money at the high level, it might at the university level, but at a high level it doesn't pay the bills anyways. Right. So that's, that's my prediction. I don't know if it's going to happen. It is what it is. <laughs> That's just all a big buildup to uh, pump the brakes. And That's right. Dad jokes. Dad joke. Lift the script. We, we send each other dad jokes. Throughout oh. the week. Do you ever Some cons- have been great. Do you ever consider the ones Absolutely. we Absolutely. Okay, good. No doubt. I even send you ones that I know are bombs, like I did today. Right. Is that a test? No, oh, kind of. Just kind of wanted to see how we Because I put bump, 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 bump. Like I hit, my, I hit myself with yeah, it I saw when it. I sent it over to you guys. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty good. You cool. know, so... And just if you listen to the podcast regularly, I'll just let you know that we traded seats again because Sean Crespin, what do you, if you're scared, get a dog? You're scared, get a dog, baby. So he doesn't want to be the first <laughs> one in your line if, if he gets the, the, the trombones at the end of this. We're, there will be no trombones today, I'm just telling you. All right, we'll do that on the other side. You're listening to Training Gross. You know what that mean, music means. You gotta finish the pretzel. I gotta finish the pretzel number one, (laughs) and then uh, it's it's, it's toasty here at uh, train station. We, for the interns out back that work on pump the brick, I Mm. saw we had like one of them big uh, orange Gatorade coolers. Yeah, tell them to stay hydrated while they work on their material. When my joke is bad, they dump it on me. (laughs) (laughs) Good, you get the win. All right, so you know how this works. I'm gonna give you guys some of the uh, some of the things people are talking about in the world of sports. All right, a little pop culture mixed in there uh-huh. too. You tell me if you're pumping the brakes on it, uh-huh. or if you're rolling with it. All right, let's go. All right, uh, first one. We're gonna go into the NFC West. John Lynch today said we haven't shown a lot in the preseason as well in terms of the things we can do with both Trey and Jimmy. So pump the brakes or not, using two quarterbacks is not a recipe for success. Uh, I'm not pumping the brakes on that. You cannot have two quarterbacks. You got to go with one definitive quarterback. I understand New Orleans got away with it when they had Taysom Hill do a lot of different things. Packages. He wasn't playing quarterback though. Yeah. So these two guys are quarterbacks. They are quintessential quarterbacks. So I remember the Cardinals did it in 2007 with Kirk Warner and and, and it. it <laughs> 
Kirby. Matt Liner, it, it just it was not a great situation. They were platooned series no. by series. Well, and especially Boom. when you would see like Kurt would come in and run the two minute drill, and he'd be yes. like, oh, oh god, that's what an offense bing, is bing, supposed bing, to bing, be. Bing, 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 and then right. here comes Matt Liner, and he, he's playing handoff. Yeah. Again. It's dumb, you know. I agree. It is not. And we've been talking about how well Jed Fish is doing down in Tucson. Yeah. He got crushed for naming two starters. Yeah. They're, they're going to rotate. Siri, here's my no. uh, Gunner Gunner Cruz yeah. is a starter. No. No. You one pick one. Pick one and go with it. And hopefully it makes the second one better when your time's up. What's, what's the old saying? Next man up. Yeah. I, I I really think that this is them trying to let down Jimmy Garoppolo as easy as they can. I think everybody there knows Trey Lance is the quarterback. He's the better quarterback right now. And that team is built to win right now. We know Jimmy G has the ability to take him to the Super Bowl. And when he's healthy, he wins. He wins three out of every four games. So it's not as if he's chopped liver, but you can't depend on him. And you've got a better quarterback all the way around in Trey Lance. So you've got a proven commodity. I mean, but but this one is so enticing. I mean, it's – it, that's a tough one. And I think for for a rookie, don't you need to like have established boundaries, like established parameters? Like here's your role as a rookie. Yeah. You know, when we talk about Isaiah Simmons. What position are you going to play? But you this know, is quarterback. Though. This qu- is no, different. but my point is like with young guys that are trying to figure it out. Yeah. A rookie quarterback, you know, the jump from mm-hmm. you know one double A football mm-hmm. to the NFL, my pretzel all over the place. It's hard. Yeah. And by platooning or not having a defined role, yeah. I think that makes it more more difficult. No, you cannot platoon. It's got to be pick one and then you roll with it. The Arizona Cardinals, according to Brenton Buckner, he, uh, Jim Trotter, I think, talked to him from the NFL Network, yep. NFL.com. Uh, said they want to shoot for 65% of the snaps for J.J. Watt this year. J.J. Watt played 92% of the snaps at Houston last year, well over 1,000 snaps last year for Houston, but the production was only five sacks, and you know it was down in terms of tackles for loss and quarterback hits. So they're shooting for 65% snaps for J.J. Watt. Does that make sense of a player of his caliber, pump the brakes or not? No, don't pump the brakes. I think that that would be ideal for J.J. Watt. I think if you're thinking that he's going to come in and play 70 snaps in the game and be productive, you're out of your mind. Remember, he's on the wrong side of 30 when you start talking about defensive linemen. And he hasn't had the best history of staying healthy for an entire season. So why would you trot him out there 50, 60 snaps per game? That doesn't make any sense. Combined with the fact that you have an extra game now, he's less likely to finish the season healthy. So you you definitely want to put him on a pitch count, if you will, if you want to make a baseball analysis and, or a baseball reference and, and say, hey, we know that in short spurts, you can be great still. Yeah. But for the long haul to put you out there for 50 plus reps, that's not going to be great for anybody. One, if you have that many reps, that means you're terrible on defense. But if you're having to take all of those reps as a 32, 33-year-old, that's a recipe for and, disaster. And obviously you have a different perspective having done what J.J. Watt does on that. But I, yeah. I, the health issue is real, right? Yes. I cheated real quick and looked it up uh, while you were talking. The first five years of J.J. Watt's career didn't miss a game. Yeah. Started 16 out of 16 the first five Three games. Three defensive player of the years in there, too. And then the next two seasons he played a total of eight games. And he came back and played 16 games. Then he missed half the season. To your point, played a full season last year. So I think you get a plan. And I think that's some of the criticism that's been coming out of the Cardinals is 
there's no plan. Like they're just kind of rolling with well, it. It, like, sounds, it seems like they have a plan for no, him. No, in the past though, okay. like just in general. Like Kyler, you know, taking took a lot of heat when he was hurt, sat on the sidelines, and then they apparently gave him the shot, and then he came back out, but yeah. it was late, whatever. Right. Like have a plan, like yeah. whatever you're going to do. And yep. if that's the plan for J.J. Yeah. Watt, get the plan, stick to it, and get the players by it. And the thing that I would say for defensive linemen is when you have a sort of platoon type of situation where when a guy's tired, he just can say, hey, you know, I need a break, and somebody can come in, the more depth that you have at defensive line, yeah. the better you're going to be able to play because it's hard to, to drum up that kind of energy for 40, 50 plays. Yeah. And, and you're talking about rushing the passer. You, you can't do that effectively. And the, that volume, the volume of snaps last year just didn't equal production. So he had over 1,000 snaps last year. Yeah. Matter of fact, he had the second most snaps in a season last year that he's had in his, in his, in his career, but he only had five sacks. But that was Because he was tired. He was tired, right. and, that and, was that's, a, and that was a bad it's football a bad team defense, last year. too. But well, what I'm getting it. at is in, in the, I looked it up. The six years – he's played six years of, of all 16 games. In those six years, he averaged – 15 sacks a year. Last year he played 16 games, he had five. Yeah. The number for tackles for loss was down by half. The quarterback hits was down by more than half. So volume didn't equal production last year. I think it's probably the right way to go. You, you used the term pitch count, yeah. which I think is exactly right. Did you know, like, did you have that pitch count in your head when you were playing and knew, damn, I, I, I played a lot of snaps this game relative to maybe what I've done previously? The mistakes that I made, and, and it ultimately cost me three straight years of being hurt, is I never wanted to come off the field. I was dumb in that respect, where I should have had a pitch count and I should have taken myself out when I was tired. And the thing about that was you're more apt to get hurt and injured once you're tired. When you're first quarter and, and you, you're full of energy and you're, you're full of gusto, you, you're not going to be hurt. You're not, you're not putting yourself in compromising positions. I always got hurt in the second half of games. And it was usually the second half of the season once my body started to wear down. And the thing that I didn't take advantage of was my man Calvin Pace, who turned out to be a hell of a player for the New York Jets. I, I didn't use him enough. And, and if I had to look back on things that I did wrong in my career, it was not trusting those guys behind me to come in and do the workman job of, of filling in and giving me a break. I just felt like I had to do it all myself. And you just can't do it. And your body's going to tell you that sooner rather than later. Uh, Sports Illustrated. Connor Orr is the writer's name. This man, <laughs> he goes through all 270 NFL games every year. Ooh, wow. Picks the winners of all 270 NFL games. Now, I know earlier we said we don't do predictions. Including playoffs? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if he runs through the playoffs. This is just regular season. Here, regular just season. regular okay. season. 270 regular season games. Gotcha. I know we don't do predictions here. Yep. But he has the Arizona Cardinals at 6-11. and 11. Mm -hmm. Pump the brakes or not on the Arizona Cardinals winning more than six and a half games. I think that's about right. I, I, would, love, I would love to say that they're going to be a playoff team and they're going to be a double-digit win team, but I just don't see it. I look at the schedule. I look at the teams that they face in that schedule. There are a lot of teams that are going to match up very well with the Arizona Cardinals. And teams when you start looking at it where they play those teams is going to matter just as much as much as I despise the Cowboys that's going to be a tough one to win in Dallas if both teams are healthy and all things are equal and you talk about the game in Cleveland Cleveland this isn't the same Cleveland Browns that you've been accustomed to the last 20 years this is a team that actually has Super Bowl real Super Bowl aspirations and they've got a lot of talent all over the field yeah I, I, I completely agree with that and six I you know 
I guess that feels six and a half, you said? Well, I said six and a half just to say, you know, over or under. So like but he's got Vegas, six and like, 11. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so right. no pushes there. I, that feels about right, you know, and, and just you pointed out a couple times. You don't know. You know, we're sitting here before the games are played for real. Like, you know, is Ryan Tannehill playing week one? We don't know. Right. Like, so you got to wait and see. Uh, but six feels about right. I mean, because you figure you got six games against the NFC West right off the top. He's got him 0-6 in those games. Which, wow. you know, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, he's got Cleveland winning that division, which talk about complete change from a couple years. I don't think they're giving away any beer this year for Cleveland Browns wins. No. But uh, it feels about right, and that's why I said, you know, earlier, you know, this could – the product on the field could be better. And, and you could not still be have enough. a six-win season yeah. or six-and-a-half – so take the under. I, yeah. You know, if I was betting money, I would not go over that. No. Because I'm, I'm looking around. I would imagine if I'm doing that, and I would never even two, 270, you said? I, 270 games. I, I look at, <laughs> like, if I had to do that, like, I'm imagining that you've got every other team in the NFC West going over 10 games, uh, or winning he did. 10 games. All three are, yeah. are over. I can get you the exact number. It's a bad year. We don't, we don't play the Lions this year, do we? He's got the Rams at 12-5, and five, Seahawks at 12-5, and five, 49ers at 11-6, and six, and the Cardinals five games below that at 6-11. and 11. Wow. So, I mean, you know. And I, I look, I haven't even looked at the schedule, so I don't know where the these division games is brutal because, you know, mentally, too. Like if you get a stretch of three games against the NFC West in like a four game stretch, yeah. that beats you down mentally. No doubt. What's coming down the pike. Yeah. You know, because I know if you're sitting there and doing this in a city, what do we say? The, the, the NFC South and you see where the NFC West games are, you're like, damn. And we got we got the Rams and the 49ers in you know like a three game stretch, mm. and you're like, damn, well, hopefully we can get through that unscathed. Or where do you play them? You no, got exactly. In LA, yeah. you go to Seattle, do you go to yeah. Santa so, Clara? Yeah. You know the, the NFC West is 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 brutal. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, since we last did a show, Larry Fitzgerald did his first podcast with Jim Jim Gray and with uh, Tom Brady. Yep. Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, he said never heard of him. He said uh, he doesn't have the urge to play right now, doesn't know how he will feel in September, October, or November, but doesn't have the urge to play right now. So pump the brakes or not. Hearing that, your gut tells you he's done. And again, gut feeling, not trying to speak for the man. Your gut tells you he's done. If there was ever a tell people I'm retired without telling them I'm retired, that. that's that's it. <laughs> I don't have the urge to play. I don't know how I'll feel months down the road. Yeah. You can't just jump into a season and like, hey, I'm ready to play. Like, put me in, coach. Right. It doesn't quite work that way. Not even if you're the great Larry Fitzgerald. And we know how important he has been to the Valley, how important he's been to this team, this organization. But even he has an expiration date when you start talking about how long you can play. And Knowing what it takes to get yourself ready to play football, if he's saying this now, you can add another month and a half to that. And I don't know if the Cardinals can wait that long mm -hmm. as far as trying to put a team together because we just said every win is going to be hard to come by, so you're going to need all hands on deck. And if you're not on deck in September, it's going to be very difficult to think that you're going to be on, on deck here in October and November. I got nothing to add to that because it makes perfect sense. My only question is, and we've kind of danced around this a little bit, where Larry Fitzgerald's situation with the Cardinals is different than any other player where he deals directly with the owner. So if on September 15th, Larry Fitzgerald walks into Michael Bidwell's home, I guess, and says, hey, I'm ready to go now. He's part of the team, isn't he? I Maybe. I mean, I, this is 
this is very unique, and I don't know if there's ever been a player that has been given as much latitude as Larry has been given. I mean, we're talking about some of the best players in all of sport or all of football. I mean, Jerry Rice was sent to four different teams. You talk about Joe Montana. Joe Montana didn't finish in San Francisco. Yeah. Peyton Manning didn't finish in Indianapolis. Tom Brady didn't finish in New England. Joe so Namath. Joe Namath didn't finish. Johnny U. Go Emmett, down the list. Emmett Smith. Some, Emmett Smith. Some of the greatest Woo. players to ever put on a uniform were not given the unilateral ability to finish in one city. I just don't see Larry at this stage in year 17 or year 18, I think, being that guy that's going to break it because he's in year 18. How much was he going to be able to contribute anyway? Right. Even if he'd have been in camp from the very jump, what was his role going to be here on the Cardinals and the way that this offense is run? It just doesn't seem like a match for Ray. I, I Yeah, I, I agree with you. But I, like I said, this dynamic is so fascinating. Like I, I would love to be on the fly on the wall if that conversation actually happened. Um, and it may not, I mean, because you've talked about when you left, it took a while for the body to figure it out. Yep. And, you know, Larry, you know, went through some difficulty last year with COVID, missed some games. I think his body's telling him already. Yeah. And so it may be done. And and he said that, you'll know I'm done when I don't show up, is essentially what he said in the past. And now he's got a, his own uh, his own forum to, to get his message out. Yeah, and he almost won a ring not even playing. Right. So. So I haven't had to hit the pump the brakes button yet. No. I'm going to have to on this next one for sure. Is this a culture one? For sure. So I know how you feel about soda. Oh, Lord. But there's big news for any. This is how it's worded here in front of me. It's big news for anybody who wants to punish their colon in a whole new way. Wow. Oh, jeez. Flaming Hot Mountain Dew is coming to you August 31st via mountaindew.com for a limited time. You can buy yourself Mountain Dew and the delicious mix of spicy and sweet from the normal Mountain Dew flavored with the, the uh, flaming Hot flavor that goes on flaming Hot Cheetos. Pump the brakes or not, flaming Hot Mountain Dew. Pump the <laughs> brakes. You can do it twice. What? Well, because I told the story, like my friend here got me off a of soda. Yeah, I know, that's yeah, why. So I'm, we done, were, I'm uh, done too. Right. And uh, if you weren't off soda no, a, a decade no, ago, no, flaming no, Hot Mountain no, Dew, did that no. do nothing for you? No. I Look, I've been out of the game for almost 30 years, and I'm telling you, flaming Hot anything doesn't end well for me. I'm Mountain with you. Dew, I'm with you. in and of itself, is probably not even in the top 10 of sodas, it's if not. I could go back. It's not. So you got something that doesn't end well and not a very good drink by itself, well, why like, in the world would you do it? I like the way you set it up, too. Hey, friend, you want to punish your colon? In a whole br whole brand new way. Ooh, see the TV Dew. commercials com. for that. By the Ooh. way, if you're interested, August 31st, though, uh, MountainDew.com is where you can go. It's uh, only for a limited time. Flaming Hot Mountain Dew. Don't, hard don't put food flavors in, in drinks. That's that's never a good idea. Hard pass. No. All right. I mean, name one. I mean, give, give me one where you've seen a food spice or a food flavor introduced to a a drink. Cherry cola. Vanilla Coke. Vanilla Coke. Did Cherry. you like it? I didn't drink it. Cherry cola is delicious. And, I, and and Dr. Pepper's got 23 flavors. I and it's amazing. Uh, I don't drink soda. No. That's, that's a hard <laughs> no for me, brother. All right. That's today's pump the brakes. Which means it's Jeez. time. This it's is where time. Sean Crespin stands up in case he has to run for the door. Watch. There he goes. Time oh. for today's 
dad I, joke of I the week. I just like to get loose in case, uh, <laughs> yeah. in case so, I have to run. We have a grading system here. We have a grading system. It's very scientific. Yeah, no matter, yeah. No matter what, B-Train's going to get one of these. Okay. All right. After that is where the grading system kicks in. If it's a quality dad joke, <laughs> gets the laughter. If it's above and beyond, one we're going to tell for years to come, mm-hmm. you get the applause. Now there are, there's the, the occasional miss on the dad joke. <laughs> and we hit you with the horns. Occasional miss. We one hit time. you with the horns. <laughs> so Still mad about that one. Occasional. Yeah. Where are we going? You said occasional. We've had, what, two? No, one. You've one? Had one. All right. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. it. Stand What's, your of a, stand, I mean. What's your definition of occasional? All right, here we go. Once in a while. All right, here we go. Well, right, here we go. So we all know Bruce Lee was fast. But did you know he had an even faster brother? <laughs> His name was Suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I couldn't even get that one out. He knew it was going to be good because he was laughing before he even said it. Yeah. Woo! I mean, I, I, I come through with the jokes. You know what I'm saying? I Sudden, come through with it. Suddenly. So I like that one. Not bad. That's good. You got any today? <laughs> know your limits, my friend. <laughs> or, or oh, real quick. Real conversely, quick. stay in your lane. Real quick. I yes. know that. Hit, a, hit us with that one. Hit us with the one you gave us today. Oh, today? Hit us with the one today. Oh, where was that one? That one, okay. So, <laughs> my buddy had this on, on Facebook today. Karl Marx is a historically famous philosopher. Oh, yeah. But no one ever mentions his sister, Anya, the inventor of the starting pistol. <laughs> <laughs> On your marks. Oh, I get it. So good. Wow. Did you get it, Gross? <laughs> I get it. <laughs> on you. Uh, real quick, on the way out, though, uh, we were both extremely excited and scared mm. when Coming to America 2 came out. Uh. I sent you a picture earlier in the week. Uh. They are, uh, Eddie Murphy's at it again. Beverly Hills Cop 4 is no. moving, moving forward. It will be no. a Netflix production. No, no. I, I mean, I. <sighs> Eddie, Eddie Murphy is probably one of my top four entertainers of all time. Mm-hmm. When I think about his stand-up comedy, yeah. his movies, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'll, I'll forgive him for this, the, the album that he came out with because, you know, party Your all the time. Your girl likes to party all the time? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. but I think he had some other cuts to go with that, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'll forgive him for that because everything else was so strong. But... Have we gotten to a point where we've seen every idea we could possibly see in, we have. in, in movies? We have. Because everything now seems like a reach. a reboot and a remake. You know what it is? I think it's a generation of, of people who always want to, I don't know, nostalgia or want to want to be in the know of things from the past. I don't know. I don't, it's hard to explain. But it feels, I mean, everything is a remake. Hell, Ghostbusters is coming out again. Are you serious? Uh, what's his name? Um, Bill Murray? Bill, no, Paul Rudd. Is playing. Oh. He's playing a character. Yeah. So he and his family move into. I think he marries like the daughter of one of the original cast members. Wow. They move into like this old farmhouse that has the car and everything. Stop. Yeah, man. and it just takes off from there. So, oh, so it's like everything has to be rebooted. And, and they and they somehow figure out how to work, weave in or work in these old characters. Like Chevy Chase was in Vacation. Yeah. He, I felt bad for Chevy I Chase. Did too. Like he was like a. a, a a shadow of them. Are they going to get Judge Reinhold in this one? I don't know. They stopped making this because the third one was booty. So bad. Yeah. 
And so what makes you think a fourth one is going to be better? Right. The inspector died. The, the, his boss, I can't remember his name, uh, yeah. in Detroit, he died. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's how old these things are where a lot of the characters <laughs> were in the originals. <laughs> they're gone. They're not available. Yeah. Right? So. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical about this. I was skeptical, skeptical about coming to America. I'm even more skeptical about this. You know what's funny? I agree with that. When you turn on Amazon, too, they talk about all their great movies. They always show coming to America, too. And they always too. show coming to it's America. It's not good, too. man. No. Awful. I have, I, yeah. Not good. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, don't forget, subscribe on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you follow us on Twitter at Training Gross. And see mm-hmm. how we're sweating today. You can follow us on the... You can subscribe. Mm. Yeah. And watch us on YouTube every oh, cool. week. And you get notified. Yeah. That's we got right. fancy graphics now and everything. So cool. Hey, you haven't seen the new intro? It's all Gotta built out. It. That's what you I'm know? talking about. Come on, check it out. We right. fancy. Get I don't... Karen, my wife, has mm-hmm. a, her own YouTube account. And I subscribed. Mm-hmm. And she does, like, the workout videos. Yeah. And so when she logs in, she's like, damn, damn it, why did you subscribe on my account? Wow. Because I did. I mean... Got support. Need to know what I'm up to. Got to support the missus, right? Yeah, I mean, if she's going to get support from anybody. Got to be from her. She, you know, she she offered a, a dad. Everybody wanted in on dad jokes. Like, so she, <laughs> Did she gonna, send you one? That's exactly right. We'll see you next time. We'll holler. <laughs>